0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews brought to you by J Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM Welcome back
1: to Coast View. I really enjoyed that conversation with Jacqueline Wilson. We're very lucky in Coast of Mississippi to have so many dedicated leaders and CEOs, people who are really, I mean, they're betting a ranch on tourism in coastal Mississippi, and it's awesome to to hear those stories. Hey, we're going to go to Nick Conger, Dr. Nick Conger, in just a second. I want to share one thing that my friend Senator Jeremy England shared on Facebook, and it's, it's actually a really good lesson. Here it is. As King Solomon said long ago, there's nothing new under the sun. There have been hard times before, just as we have now, harder even. They have always been, there have always been corrupt and evil people. Also, as King Solomon said in his infinite wisdom, we should not dwell on those things. Why focus on things that create anger and feelings of despair? And then he said, turn off the news. You know, that kind of reminded me of something that Zig Ziglar said. Somebody I followed early in my career really kind of changed my career in a way because it helped me think about goal setting. Wrote a great book called Top Performance, just a terrific book. But he said this, you are what you are and where you are because of what has gone into your mind. You can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You know, we have a tendency to surround our people ourselves with negative people, people who don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, think about that. Think about it. when you see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's terrific hope, there's opportunity, there's reason to take risk. And, uh, you know, if we get stuck in sort of the grind and surrounded by people who are negative, we can't reach our potential. Just something to think about. Now let's switch over to my friend, Dr. Nicholas Conger, and just say good morning first. How are you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing great. Good morning. How are you today?
1: Good. It's been a long time since we chatted. I've been looking forward to circling back with you. I've been watching the COVID numbers. Uh, Things have improved tremendously. Um, But, you know, obviously, anytime we say that, we always have to acknowledge that there are still people who are struggling. But the numbers are moving in the right direction, and I look forward to sort of getting, you know, the latest from you. So so as you sit there today, how do you assess the COVID situation?
2: So, you know, it's kind of like – it's kind of like a hurricane came through, right? and just caused a lot of destruction, and then it left, and then you have like a sunny day. And it's kind, of, it's kind of how it is with COVID right now is that that Delta variant was so contagious and sent so many people to the hospital and caught so many people who are who uh, not immune and, and even some people who were vaccinated and, and you know, it just burned through so fast. And now we're at this kind of lull. Um, not that it's gone you know there are as you stated there are some people who are still pretty sick in the hospital there are still some new cases that come in Um, so it's just a really really low level you know so we're at a lull right now and last time we're at a lull you know people had a chance to kind of get vaccinated if they wanted to and and uh, um, you know work on their health in general and here we have another lull and and, uh, you know, I'd still encourage people who are, who are um, not vaccinated and did not get COVID yet, you know, another wave could come through. So now's your chance to, to get vaccinated and get your body healthy, too, because, you know, the, the healthier you are, definitely the better you do with this virus.
1: Boy, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a hell of a journey for you over the last year or two. <laughs> and uh, I think about when, when the Delta variant came you had a you had a good sense, or at least based on your education and what you've been reading, that it would burn for, through fast, and you hoped that that would be the case that that it wouldn't linger and that we wouldn't get another variant, you know, rapidly on the heels of de- Delta that changed the picture. I know that I've been reading around the world; there's some variants and whatever, but nothing to be seriously concerned about yet. What's your read on that?
2: Yeah, you know, in, um very early we discussed herd immunity, and that became like the buzzword and herd immunity doesn't exist, we're moving the target, how many people need to be immune, et cetera? But, you know, the bottom line is, uh, you know, if you've had the infection, your chance of, you know, really getting sick from a reinfection is really, really low. And if you're vaccinated, you know, we found out with this Delta variant, you can still catch it, still about 10 to 15 times less likely than if you were unvaccinated, but it's milder. And so even if these new variants roll through, if there's a lot of immunity in, in the community, a lot of herd immunity from either prior infection or vaccination, then even if it rolls through again, you would hope that hospitalizations are down, deaths are down, so it does become something milder like the seasonal flu. Wow.
1: Well, let's, let's hope that that is the case. But you're not hearing anything again. One of the great things about the COVID, I say it's, it's probably the only great thing about COVID, uh, as it relates to this worldwide pandemic, is we get the ability now because of technology and otherwise to to really follow what's happening around the world. So, do you see anything in any other country now that gives you concern?
2: So, you know, there's some chatter again from England, which has about a 70% vaccination rate, that there's a strain that's causing some cases there. But again, as far as I know, the cases have been more mild, less hospitalization, less death. And so, to me, I think that's a reminder that. We're probably not ever going to get to zero COVID. Uh, it's just we're going to have to kind of learn to live with it as a smoldering thing. And so, I think things like that will wax and wane. I don't, like I said, I've said this before. I don't want to get in the COVID prediction business because you never know what strain's coming around the corner. Uh, but um, you know, hopefully, that Delta strain, as bad as it was, hopefully, it, it you know, everyone who was going to get it, hopefully, they got it, so that we don't go through another massive spike like that again.
1: Yeah. What you observed in the health community during this during this pandemic, I know it's been frustrating and inspiring and all that. Frustrating from the point of view of just, it never, it sort of was unrelenting there for a while. And um, and w- when you get into these really severe cases, while there was some hope sometimes, oftentimes it was almost hopeless, but you had to give it a shot because you didn't know which one of those folks were, g- were going to emerge from their respirator situation. But, man, it's been, I mean, I bet sometimes you pinch yourself on a Sunday morning and say, was that just a bad dream?
2: Yeah, you know, to that point, you know, um, I'll give a shout out to a a friend and colleague, George Cotty, who's an excellent uh, critical care physician and pulmonologist here at Memorial. And and he gives a little speech. And so I'm kind of, I'm stealing his material, giving him credit. But a speech about the 1%, the margins, you know, there's some patients, you know, that in his opinion, come in the ICU and they're going to get better no matter what you do, unless you really mess it up. And then there's some patients come in the ICU and because of their disease state, they're probably going to die no matter what you do, even if you give them the best care in the world. But there's a small percentage, maybe 1% to 5%, that your care really matters. And that's kind of the inspirational speech he gives to the ICU folks, that you don't know which one that is. And so if there's 1, 2, or 3, or 5 out of 100 that your care makes a difference, you gotta give that 100% effort to everybody because you don't know which is the one that's gonna make an impact. Yeah. And that's you know, something he tries to you know, motivate them because you certainly do see staff members, doctors, nurses, technicians that are burnt out right now. And a lot of them are rethinking how long do they wanna do this and do they wanna get out of medicine you know, in general.
1: Yeah, when I've had the opportunity to go over to, to Singer River Health System with uh, Lee Bond, the uh, administrator there, and see with my own eyes what was happening in the ICU. So and when I was there, the ICU was full, the surgical ICU was full, all, all COVID patients on respirators, and there were three additional patients down in the emergency room that had been there for two or three days just waiting for an opening to be able to go up. But, man, in talking to these critical care professionals, I'm sure it's exactly the same there. Their commitment to just seeing it through. and But at the same time, you could just feel the strain was taking its toll on them emotionally day in and day out. You know, I say this often on my show, uh, Nick, that you have, you know, it's it's hard sometimes to think about an abused child. You know, it's hard to to think about homeless people or people who can't be, you know, who can't, you know, feed their family. It's It's kind of out of sight out of mind for so many people because it's hard to think about it and in the COVID situation, hard to think about how many people, how many families were suffering w- with loved ones who were nicely used on respirators and to, to be in that situation as a critical care professional and see it day in and day out, day in and day out so many people dying, man, that's just, when you say take its toll to see it with my own eyes, buddy, it, 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 it made a lasting impression on me.
2: Yeah, and and um, and think back like at the beginning of this pandemic, you know, we weren't allowing visitors in. We didn't have enough PPE to give to the visitors, and so those same people that you saw two years later, many of them were were you know at the bedside, you know, caring for, uh, you know, you know, basically talking to people as they were dying. They're the only people around, you know, and so they were doing so much more than just basic nursing care. You know, they were they were there, they were the loved ones, they were their family members, they were praying with them, they were singing to them. They were holding their hand, you know, as people were dying and and for that to go on for two years, you know, it's it's been tough.
1: Well, so um, at at its height, how many infusions, remind me how many infusions you guys were doing in a week's time.
2: So we were up to hundred and fifty a day and we were going towards two hundred if you're talking about the monoclonal antibody infusions. Yes. Yeah, yes. we were we were approaching 200 a day, and we kept that pace up 150 to 200 for about two weeks.
1: Wow! So where are you today?
2: Uh, maybe 10 a week. Really? Yeah.
1: So that <laughs> that is that is terrific. So yeah. let me ask you this, and we, you and I have not talked about this before, but the strain on the healthcare profession. Now that things have settled down, now how worried are you are, are are you about the long-term sustainability of the just medical care in general because of the stress that's been put on the system, and has it revealed some things that need to be fixed? One one might be pay. One might be I don't know what all the things issues might be. the, the issue of traveling nurses and how. So many people were jumping off to go do the traveling nurse thing. Why don't we do this, Nick? Let, let's. Start. We're coming to the end of this segment. We'll pick that up on the other side. I also want to ask you about the latest on ivermectin and, and talk about this kind of Joe Rogan dispute with CNN and why that was important. We'll come back to that in just a second. But this is Dr. Nicholas Conger, an infectious disease doctor at Memorial, and we'll see you after this break.
0: You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast
1: 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend, Dr. Nicholas Conger. I can't, you know, It's interesting. That I, we've never met in person, <laughs> but we've been on the show together and shared all these conversations, even during my own COVID experience a year ago. Uh, you were a lot of help to me, but it's so interesting. We've never laid eyes on each other in person, but I feel like we're, we've become good friends. When we went to break, we were talking about uh, the challenges that, 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 e- either, that COVID either caused or revealed in the medical industry. When you think about you know, the world around you, how much of, you, of that do you think will continue to linger?
2: Well, I mean, certainly the effects on, um, like the psyche, like I said, and the motivation, and the, and the long-term uh, effect of the healthcare workers is going to be an issue. Like I said, people are really uh, burnt out. You know, they really need breaks, they need vacations. And you alluded to the the nursing situation where nurses became a hot commodity, and um, and they could make a lot more money um, working other places, and some of them did. You know, and and I think you know healthcare administrators had to take a look at that and. Look at their flexibility, you know, how quickly can you gear up and give 150 doses of a medication a day and then turn around and you don't need it, you know, three weeks later, to, you know, um, and surge capacity. That's always an issue. You know, it is good to have surge capacity, meaning when you need extra beds, they're available. But if you're if you're running a you know a hospital, you know, like a business, you're not in the business to lose money, um, even though you're just trying to break even. Um, Like I say, even if it's a nonprofit hospital, if, if you have a bunch of empty beds, a bunch of nurses that you don't need and a bunch of doctors that aren't busy, well, that's not a very good model. So we, we tend in the United States not to have much surge capacity. And so you have to be kind of creative when the surge comes. You know, I, I used to be in the military, and the military has kind of designed itself now, the military medical system, to kind of be that surge capacity where you could run somewhere and throw up a tent and start taking care of people if the local hospitals are overwhelmed but that's kind of it, you know. Otherwise, you know, hospitals work about eighty-five to ninety-five percent full because that makes sense, you know. And so, so those are some issues I think we should we should uh, work on uh, as a conglomerate going forward.
1: Yeah, I can see I can see that being something that we need to get creative about because it it did reveal it revealed a lot about the character of the people who are engaged in your in your profession and how committed they were, and you know what we learn about that about the depth of the, of the human ability to care for others and dig deep and all that. It's a pretty inspiring story. Uh, but you can only rely on that for so long over an extended period of time. You've got to figure out where the reinforcement is coming from, and that will be an important conversation to have as we go forward. I alluded uh, to you know, Ivermectin. Uh, Joe Rogan, the the one I think the top podcaster in America now, I, I like to listen. To, I don't always agree with Joe, but what I like about Joe is that he continues to learn as he has these incredible guests, and he adjusts his thinking. I sort of do that at Kosu As I talk to people, uh, they change my point of view about things. It opens my mind about others. You know, I, it's an it, it's a great position to be in and to be able to talk to people like you and others. And so Joe's Joe has an interesting perspective. He gets COVID. He throws the kitchen sink at it. He takes ivermectin, Z uh, Z He gets the Montabai, uh, antico, uh, Excuse me, the uh, infusion. And then he gets uh, monoclonal antibody. Let me say that correctly. He gets the infusion. Then he gets, he takes some vitamins and whatever, throws the kitchen sink at it, and has a pretty moderate uh, case of it. See, all that CNN focused on, though, was the I- ivermectin and said that this is a veterinary medicine and he's taking this horse peel and it's just like this political agenda. And then, uh, and then, you know, of course, he challenged them and said that they were, you know, why why would they perpetuate a lie like that, that he, it was prescribed by the doctor? Um, you know, we it's going to be interesting to look back to see the role that ivermectin played in all of this. I, I know you guys did some early work with it. When we got into severe case, I think you told me that it wasn't as effective. But what's your current thinking about it?
2: So, you know, this is why kind of the medical establishment, um, you know, pushes to doing things in randomized control trials. Because, like you said, it's so hard to tell. If you take that one example of Joe Rogan, he might have done just fine if he had done none of that, you know. And so you just don't know unless you enroll people in studies and, and give this group this and this group that. And so it's really difficult to tell in the face of a pandemic when people throw in the kitchen sink. And that's a debate. You know, there is an infectious disease meeting at the beginning of COVID, and that was actually a debate topic. Do you throw the kitchen sink at people with all these medicines that might do something, or do you do nothing? And it almost comes down to kind of the mentality people have. And so so all these medicines, you know, um, hydroxychloroquine was big for a while, ivermectin, azithromycin, you know, doxycycline, the last two are antibiotics. Um, There's a bunch of them. They may have a mild antiviral effect. They may have an anti-inflammatory effect. If you study them individually, it's really hard to show that they do have a benefit. But then you hear like, well, what if you combine them? So you hear things of azithromycin plus hydroxychloroquine worked or hydroxychloroquine plus ivermectin worked. And, you know, it's just we don't have studies to prove it one way or the other. I think that the lesson from the Joe Rogan story is, but we do need to have honest conversations. Like if you don't, you know, there is the there are some people who did go out to veterinary stores and buy veterinary grade ivermectin, and that is dangerous. At the same time, there is doctor prescribed ivermectin, and if you take it for the short term, it's not harmful, um, and it might work. And so, so we just need to have honest conversations. We shouldn't make headlines or even medical papers based on our agenda. Just need to be honest with people. Some people take ivermectin; and they believe in it. I don't have enough evidence to tell to 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 be for or against it, to be honest with you. I can tell you late in the course, though, I don't think it saves lives if they're sick enough to be hospitalized.
1: Dr. Nicholas Conger, one of the beauties of having conversations with you is you've always been one of the most practical-minded physicians I've ever met. You've been very practical, and you're... You're 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 not one party or the other. Somewhere in between, trying to make sense of this whole thing and trying to bring practical wisdom to the conversation, which too often is is uh, is missing. So, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We'll see you soon. It's
2: great to be back. Thanks for having me again. You
1: bet, buddy. Take care. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.